Perfect, now I have your numbers. Thanks. Hey, I'm Robbie Kramer. You're listening to the Leverage Podcast, where we discuss using your social skills to hack dating, travel, finding your dream job, and becoming a complete man. Welcome back to the show, everyone. And today I'm super happy to invite Celine Remy and Kevin Anthony. They're the hosts of the Love Lab podcast, which is a safe place to get real about sex. I was a guest on their show just a couple of weeks ago, and I was totally blown away with their knowledge about dating, relationships, sex, um, just two really open, cool, authentic people, and very sexy, of course, as well. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you, Robbie. We're yeah. excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And you guys are going to help us to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. So I'm excited for the show. Um, first of all, how did you guys, you know, tell us your story. How did you guys become, you know, the experts on sex and sexuality? And, and how did you kind of start your podcast and your business? I'm so curious to hear. Okay, that's that's a lot. <laughs> I'll let you start. Celine. Well, because it kind of starts like way, way back ago. So I was born and raised in Switzerland. And um, when I was uh, 16, my mom had cancer and then she... Um, find a way to heal herself. And then she was looking for ways to get her life back, her energy, her sexual energy, like different things like this. And so back then I was about 19 and she was like, Hey, why don't we go to this workshop but together? It was like a women's workshop, inner alchemy to learn to transmute your sexual energy. And I was like, awesome. So I went and did that with my mom, did the weekend workshop. And as I was there, I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is what I want to do with my life. I need to go and learn with the masters. And I, I asked the teacher, I said, okay, who did you learn from? And it was Montak Chia. And I said, okay, then I'm going to wherever he is. And I found out that he was in Thailand. Woohoo, lucky me, because I had been told first he was in New York and I was only mildly excited about visiting New York. But when I heard Thailand, I was like, oh yeah, so much better for me. And so... Um, you know, it took me a few years to finish the training I was doing back then. I was working as an esthetician, as a beautician, um, and then to save a little bit of money to just go and start traveling. And I did. I was uh, 22. And that's when I started to go to Thailand. I spent six weeks in his retreat center, did, learned all of the different practices, Taoist practices to circulate sexual, sexual energy and Tai Chi practices and yoga and breathing. I mean, it was amazing. Um, while I was there, I went in the jungle of Thailand to learn Thai massage and just was traveling all over. And then from there, I ended up going to India because I had met somebody there and it was like, hey, why don't you uh, come in and um, come to India? Uh, you can work in my spa since I was a beautician, you know, and uh, you can learn Ayurveda. And so I went to India and I spent six months in India. Uh, and there is where I received in my very first full body massage that included the genitals and when the guy did that on me I went like what was that <laughs> how did you do that teach me that and um that continued for me to learn like you know all these different um 
practices, modalities. modalities, exactly. And I started yoga and meditation and Ayurveda and tons of things like that. And so one thing leading to another, I end up in Hawaii. And, um, and from there, I discovered that there's a modality called uh, sexological bodywork. And sexological bodywork was kind of new at that time. And it was founded by Joseph Kramer. And it's about Basically, it encompassed all of the things I had learned, like from the touch to the sexual energy to coaching. And I was just like, this is this, this is made for me. Like, I need to go do that. So I did the training, but at that time I didn't make it all the way to the certification because, well, I, I kind of ran out of funds to fly to San Francisco at that time. Uh, but I, and I kind of left it on the back burner. And I was like, well, I'm still gonna teach sexuality and do all of these things. And I was working a lot with women. And then I moved to California and then I started working both with men and women. And I was like, well, it's time that I uh, go back to the training and I had to go through the whole thing again, got certified as a sexological body worker um, and just really have been working over. Well, basically it's, it has been like 15 plus years, but um, I've had my own business for over 10 years, working with both women, men, couples in terms of helping them with their sexuality, with their relationship. And I have kept on learning different modalities. And in that time, uh, Kevin and I met and then maybe you can take it from there, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> That was a long beginning. Sorry. <laughs> no, that was great. It's yeah, a long... So where did, where did you come into the picture? <laughs> well, so, you know, Celine was on a long journey, you know, starting from a very young age, as she just explained to you. And her journey started with the intent of, I want to do this with the, for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I was also on a lifelong journey, but I never intended to do this for a living. So for me, I was always interested in all of those same sorts of things. And I would read books on Taoist practices and I would try stuff and I would always try to be better. Every, every lover I ever had, every girlfriend I ever had, I was like, okay, that worked. Uh, okay, let me see. How can I do that better, right? And I was just constantly always trying to be better at it. Uh, one, because I just like to be good at the things that I do, but two, because I just really loved sex. And three, because I had a lot of relationships that completely blew up and I was like, damn, I fucked that one up. <laughs> like, <laughs> what did I do wrong? How can I do this better? Right. And so, you know, I took trainings. I got very involved in the local Tantra community here in Southern California, the local poly community here in Southern California. And, you know, it was an interesting time. It's not quite the same here now as it used to be, but back then there were a couple of prominent figures in the community who were quite well known throughout the country. And they would have all of the big names, you know, in Tantra and Pali, sex relationship, all the big authors that wrote books on it, all the people that were touring and doing workshops, they would all come through San Diego. And I'm sure I've been to pretty much every one of them. <laughs> I've met a lot of them just sitting in friends' living rooms and talking. I've been to their workshops, taken their classes, read their books, all of that with zero intention of ever doing this for a living, but just wanting to learn it for myself. Um, I had multiple lovers who were, you know, big women in the Tantra community and the Pali community who are experts. And, and yes, I did learn some things from them, although I think I may have taught them one or two things too. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started at some point, I left my corporate career and I was like, what am I going to do? And I started actually saying, well, 
you know, people are asking me all the time for my advice because I've learned all this stuff. And now all of a sudden my friends and my roommates and like I had a random stranger at a park one day walk up to me and ask me a question. And I'm like, that was the most random thing that like, why pick me out of this whole crowd to ask me this totally random question? And so I started kind of getting the hint that, okay, I've got knowledge here. I should probably share it. So I started creating a coaching practice, but then much like Celine, I kind of ran out of money and I was like, uh, I got to go back to doing something where I can actually make a living. So I kind of put that on the shelf, went back to doing my technical career, got together with Celine. When we first got together, obviously there was, there was a lot of places where we were like, oh, we could do a lot together. But I was very um, adamant about the fact that like, I don't want to be the guy that comes in is like, you see this all the time in the industry. One person in the couple is the prominent figure. And then they start dating someone and suddenly that person's the new expert right next to them, you know? And it's just like, of course. I just didn't want to be that guy. So I said, look, you just keep doing what you're doing. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Little by little, you know, we'll start to build some stuff in the background. And for a long time, I was totally behind the scenes. So I was working with her. We built the Power Mastery courses together. Uh, we were coming up with strategies and, and new material and all this stuff, but I was always on the back end. And then at some point, we were both like, okay, it's time <laughs> for you to stop being behind the scenes and you need to get out there and start sharing it. And so that's how we ended up working together. I, you know, that's I was, how the Love Lab too was born because we basically would have all these endless conversations in bed, walking and stuff. And we were like, our bedroom's the love lab. And this is how Kevin came up with the name. And we we're like, we it's have to show that. So this is why we were just like, okay, we, let's start the podcasts. And yeah. And the podcast. So Celine's had so many brilliant ideas and how she brings this work out into the world. But the podcast, I will take credibility or credit for because it was my idea i was like we just we need to have a podcast like i think we really should do a podcast and so he's like yeah okay you know that that's cool but i'm really too busy i got so many other things going on so it was probably six months or a year after i had the idea that we actually started it and you guys have been doing the show i think uh close to like 200 episodes right you yes yeah, yeah we we just recorded 196 uh, yesterday so it's been nice. going on for years. I think this will be 193 or 94. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you guys have been, I've been recording since 2013 or 14 though. So I, I you know, I, I space it out a little bit more, but um, you know, podcasting is great. So I'm so glad I came across you guys because of the, you know, the mutual podcast stuff. And um, I, I, heard a couple of names I saw in your bio and, and I just heard you say, Celine talked about uh, Montauk Chia and I read his book a while back, uh, the multi-orgasmic man. Um, and obviously this show is, is mostly male listeners. Um, so I'd love to hear your guys thoughts first on. So for me, I'll, I'll honestly say I couldn't get the, that to work for me. I mean, I, I, maybe I didn't try long enough. I couldn't separate orgasm from ejaculation. Like I, I tried all as best I could, but you know, I certainly gained a lot from just the practice, a lot of control, 
Um, it was a huge benefit to do it, but I wasn't able to get that breakthrough. So I'm curious, you know, what was your experience, Kevin, and maybe your experience working with people? So do you think that. we can get him to get it by the end of the show? Uh, I don't know. We'll try. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you my experience with it. And then Celine can tell you, I mean, she's helped thousands of men with this. So, yes. but so my personal experience is, man, so I, I was given by my girlfriend at the time, another book by Montauk Chia called uh, Sexual Reflexology. And it's basically, it's mostly geared towards men, but not totally. It's got a little bit of everything in it. And it had all these practices, one of which was how to separate orgasm and ejaculation. And I was really intrigued by it. I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that's possible. <laughs> so I just, you know, I read the entire book and I did all the practices, especially that one. And I wouldn't say that I mastered it right away, but I will say that uh, all it takes is one glimpse of it. And then you go, oh, oh, this is possible. Oh, I know I can do this. And so then you just keep going, keep going, keep going until you can actually do it. So that was something that I was doing on my own many, many years ago, long before I, uh, I even knew Celine. And, you know, it's something that we teach to a lot of men. It's, it's a practice and it takes time. It's not something that you get right away. But basically, you do get to the point where, so when you're a man and you have an ejaculation, you have a couple of things happening there. One of which are the contractions of the muscles, right? The other is the literally the semen coming out. And, and the contraction happens before the expulsion. Like people bundle everything together, ejaculation and orgasm. But in reality, ejaculation happens after the orgasm, you have the orgasm, you have the rhythmical contraction, you have an experience of an orgasmic experience, and then you have the ejaculation. That's literally the breakdown. Most people mashed all of them together and they're like, oh, it's one big thing. But if you learn to separate and you understand that they're different things, then that's how you can start feeling the difference. Yeah. And most people, most people lump them together because they happen so quickly that it appears that they all happen at the simultaneously, basically, but, but they don't, they, they are actually slightly separated and you can start to expand that separation if you work at it. And so what, what can happen is you can have those rhythmic contractions of the muscle. And the third part that I didn't mention is the movement of energy, that sense of like, sort of, you know, as a guy, we would call it relief, you know, when you have a good orgasm and you're like, ah, Right? Yeah, the can, total the relief or the mini death, right? French. Right, exactly. <laughs> Le petit more, yes. <laughs> you should probably say that because you'll say it better than I will. <laughs> but anyway, you can have that, that movement, right, of that energy and those contractions and not have the actual expulsion. And so that's really what's going on. Now, the thing is... And that allows you to keep going, of course. Yes, absolutely. That's the, that's the key. <laughs> well, because... When you don't have the expulsion, you don't lose the erection. Right. And that's one of the big differences. Now, the thing is, a lot of guys expect that when they have those or the, what we would basically call a non-ejaculatory orgasm, that when they have that, it's going to feel exactly the same as when they have one where they do ejaculate. And that's not necessarily the case. So sometimes they can feel real intense like that. 
and sometimes not. Sometimes they're more subtle. And when they're more subtle, a lot of guys don't think that they've actually had an orgasm. They go, oh, I wasn't able to do it. But they actually were. And the more aware you become of those sensations, the more you start to realize like, oh, yeah, I really did have that. And the most amazing thing about it, honestly, because a lot of times guys are like, well, why would I even want to do this? Like, what, what's mm-hmm. the point, right? Like, I love my ejaculations. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a couple of reasons. The, the, the most important reason, I think, really, is so that you can have sex for as long as you want. You know, and we talk about this on the show all the time. I mean, there's only been a few studies done over the many years, but they basically found that the average man, one study ejaculated in three to five minutes and the other study five to seven minutes, right? So the average guy is really only lasting about seven minutes. I mean, maybe we could round it off to 10, but we've worked with enough clients to know that the average, that really is pretty much the average. Like if a guy goes 10 minutes, uh, the woman's generally like, okay, that was pretty good. And they start complaining when he's in the one to three minutes. <laughs> but the reality is if you can learn to separate your orgasm and your ejaculation, you can go as long as you want. So think about how amazing that sex was for those 10 minutes. And then think about, wow, I could experience that amazingness for 30 minutes or 40 minutes or an hour. Well, and you need to bring the other part is that for most women, the average woman needs 20 minutes to have her orgasm at least, at least. To 30, and that's an, again that's an average that means that some women will take 45 minutes others will be 10 minutes but the average is 20 minutes so if this is why there's such a disparity in terms of orgasms and especially with the penetrative and sexual orgasm satisfaction and sexual satisfaction men and women. exactly it's because most women are not getting the type of sex they need a lot of women don't even know that's what they need because they've never gotten it because most men don't deliver it most men don't know so you don't know what you don't know you don't know what you're missing out and that's just how it is but once you start to discover that wow I can go to higher states of pleasure. I can go to a totally different place, but it takes me some time. Like as a woman, I can tell you that we have something called diffuse awareness. So guys are more single focused. You can be like your mind is on target. You're having sex. This is it. This is all you're thinking about. As women, we tend to be like, okay, well, I got to have sex. It's one more thing on my to-do list. Well, I can do this right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I'll do the laundry. And then, you know, you're in the middle of sex and you're thinking like, oh, what are we going to do for dinner? Oh, and I got to remember to pick up the uh, kids tomorrow. This is literally what goes on in our head. And it will take a little while for us to shut down that constant chatter and to get out of our head into our body. For me, and I've timed it because again, this is the love lab for us. We, t- we, we try everything that we teach. It is about, my sweet spot is about 20 minutes. There is a moment where I finally like switch off, turn off the head and can finally drop into the sex in a whole new level. If I don't have 20 minutes of penetration, I don't get there. I have good sex or it feels good, but I don't get to these levels. By the time we reach 20 minutes, I go like, okay, now we can go somewhere because I'm no longer thinking about my to-do list. I'm no longer so preoccupied by all of the, the things of life, right? That I can be here in the moment. And that's when, you know, sex happens. And then that's also when I can get to a place of surrendering, which is when 
our orgasms are totally linked with our ability to surrender. And so the more I can let go and surrender, the deeper, the higher, the better the orgasm. Yeah. And keep in mind, right, that that 20 minutes is over double what the average man lasts, Mm -hmm. right? So how many women are really getting to a place? And for her, that 20 minutes is not even the 20 minutes where she's going to have an orgasm. Maybe she does. That's just where she gets to the point where she can relax enough that an orgasm is possible. Mm -hmm. And then the orgasm might still be another 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes away. Yes. Right? So, you know, why would men want to learn to separate their uh, orgasm and ejaculation? One, so that they can have sex longer. Two, so that they can take their woman to the places that she's capable of going. Three, so that both parties are actually sexually satisfied by the, by the act. And four, because if he's willing to hold back his first ejaculation, then the one that he decides to have at some point later on down the road is going to be way more intense than the first one he would have had. And the same goes for the woman as well. If he can take her through multiple ups and downs of bringing her sexual energy up, maybe orgasming, maybe not coming back down and riding that roller coaster of sexual energy, the orgasm that she has an hour and a half in, which is maybe her third or fourth orgasm, is going to be so powerful, so much more powerful than the first one that she had that it's literally going to feel to him like he stuck his penis in an electrical socket and he was literally just electrocuted or like hit by lightning. It's that powerful. Good analogy. (laughs) So in your guys' experience working with men, what are the biggest problems you see? Obviously not lasting long enough. Um, And aside from, well, well, first of all, can, can, all men achieve the sort of multi-orgasmic state with enough work and effort into it in your guys' experience? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just learning new pathways, new ways of, of wiring your body. And I always say that it's as simple for a man to learn not to ejaculate as it is for a woman to learn to female ejaculate. So every woman can do it just like every man can do it. We just need to learn the how. Once you've done it once, you can go back to it. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of what are people struggling with the most, erection issues. And we're seeing it more and more with younger and younger men. Um, a decade ago, when I started my practice, I was dealing more with older gentlemen who were struggling. Nowadays, I have young men in their 20s. Um, I just finished working with a client 28 years old and already experiencing issues with um, erections. And uh, I'd say these are really the big thing is I ever can't get it up or it's not firm enough and then it doesn't last long enough. And then the refractory period takes so long. Um, and that's, that's usually. And then the, the, the last piece that almost always accompanies that is lack of confidence, yes. right? Because when you, when you can't get an erection, and you can't last long. It just, as a guy, it just crushes your confidence. Yes. Right. So what do you do if you're the guy listening and that's kind of, you know, your first, you know, your that that's your obvious struggle. Like what are the, some steps that that guy can take? 
I mean, so there's there's plenty of books out there that guys can read. You know, some people learn well from books, some people don't. There's online courses. We have online courses out there that you can just go at your own pace and you can learn the practices and you can figure out how to do it. That works for a lot of people. And then there's, you know, working with us as we can coach you, we can guide you through it. We can teach you what you need to learn. I'd say just the most important thing is uh, don't be complacent. Don't just say, this is just the way things are like, get up, do something about it. Take some action. If you want to create change in your life, you literally have to take action. Yeah. Right. And, and it doesn't matter what you choose. And, and it's just to be like, Hey, this is not working for me. I could do better and, and go for it. You know? And I also think that with you know, anything in life, but with sexuality, you never get to that place where you're like, I've got it all. Like I understand it all. I've been studying this for over 20 years and I'm still discovering new things about my body, discovering new things with my husband. It's like, there's, there's never a place that you reach where you're like, oh, and I can be on cruise control. Right. And so this is one of the beauty of that too, because, you know, the, the Taoist pathway is literally, um, a way of living, a way of life. And so you just choose to make different choices and to have a more fulfilling experience. Gotcha. So if, if you're a guy listening and you have erection issues and you turn to something like Viagra or Cialis and that does the job, does that have like long-term negative consequences or what are your thoughts on, you know, using, using those, those helpers? I mean, I don't know any real long-term consequences, although it is a pharmaceutical and every pharmaceutical has its side effects. Like well, there are like migraines and eye issues, and then there's some toxicity in the body. Um, so there, there are some well-known, you can even read the little leaflet thing and it, it can tell you the yeah, potential. You th know? Those can happen right from the start. They're not necessarily <laughs> even long-term side that's, effects. That, that's true. But, but the thing is, is the, they don't solve the underlying problem, right? Mm -hmm. So like, like every pharmaceutical that's out there pretty much, they address symptoms, right? They don't solve underlying problems. And so they can temporarily help you, but they're not going to solve your problem. And if you really want to overcome the problem, like permanently, you're going to have to do the work. You can't rely on the crutch, which is, you know, the Cialis, Viagra, whatever. Um, there are very few circumstances where we recommend that men use those things, but there are a couple of circumstances where they can be helpful during the process of relearning and retraining your body. But in general, you really want to work at fixing the, the underlying problems that are creating the erection issues and the premature ejaculation. Well, with an erection issue, you have got a circulation issue. So it's not separated from the rest of your life. So you've got to look at all the things that you're doing. You need to address what kind of food are you putting in your body? Are you using food that is supportive of giving like good blood circulation? Or are you eating like artery clogging foods all the time? You've got to look at your uh, sleeping habits. Are you getting good sleep? Are you getting enough sleep? Um, 
is the blue lights like from our computer and all our artificial lights messing up with your circadian rhythm, which means you're not having enough melatonin. You don't produce enough of the hormones during the night, which will make your testosterone tank. Are you using uh, body products that are messing up with your hormonal levels and like estrogen, making you having more estrogen as a guy uh, and, and less of the testosterone? Are you, you know, using plastics and things like that, that are, that are in the way, how much are you exercising? Because a lot of it also testosterone comes from you moving your body and exercising and circulation again with that. And then there's the big, big component of the mind. Um, are you yeah, seeing most of the, most of the guys I've talked to that have struggled with it, it's almost always a mental thing. Um, a confidence thing. It's, it's obviously between the ears. Maybe I'm sure the, all these physical things play a part of it too, but that's usually what I've heard from guys who struggle. So yeah, I'm curious to hear about that. Yeah. The, the perfect example of that is the client that you were just talking about. That's, that's who I was going to talk about. So he's 28 and he comes to see me and he's like, very has very little experience. He only had like one one girlfriend, really. Um, and he's realizing that he does want to get married and he does want to have a family and all of this, but he doesn't just want to settle right now. He'd like to be able to like experience life a little bit, right? Which I strongly, strongly encourage. But he's having this thing that his erections are not strong. So then he's doubting himself. And then he's like not feeling confident to go on a date because he thinks that he's going to mess it up. So it's like really ruining everything. His chances, his ability to show up, his ability to perform and his inner confidence. So he decides to work with me and he's like, uh, you know, he's, I sent him, you know, to the doctor just to rule a few things out. Do well, you testosterone? He was pretty sure it was a physical issue. Yes. He kept saying that this is a physical issue and he wanted to go have all the tests done, see all the doctors. So and- I'm like, I'm supporting him because that's what he needs. I'm like, okay, this is what you need to get checked. I'm like, your testosterone. I give him a few other tests and markers that he needs to kind of look for and look at. Um, and then, you know, he's like, okay, well, I've done this, you know. And then, you know, he even went to get an ultrasound, which, you know, they inject something in your penis to give you an erection. And it has to last for 30 minutes because they look at it at different time because there's they put a, um, a dye in it so that they can see it on the ultrasound and make sure that your veins are working properly and blah, blah, blah. And it's actually a bit painful to just to get the shot. And then he was like, I had a boner for like hours. And then just send you home. Is and then like the if- port stars use. Or is that <laughs> <laughs> that's a little something different, but <laughs> you know, but then he said, apparently they sent him home and like, well, if it doesn't go down in three hours, go to the ER. And I was like, okay, you know, all right. You know, but the bottom line is he went through all of this test. He's so different specialists and urologists and all of this, you know, and from the first session, I told him there is nothing wrong with you. I could physically. see physically. I was like, I can tell your body's responding properly. It's all in your mind. I can see how you are self-sabotaging and blocking that energy, which in turn is your body is responding to what you're sending. He couldn't see it. So he had to go do all of that. And then he's like, well, maybe we should stop our coaching because I need to wait for the test. And I said, no, no, no. We're going through this. I'm like, you signed up for this, you know, and this is like very clear because it started to show up patterns and people are like, oh, this is getting scary. You know, we're starting to look at things. And the, the beauty of it, I like uh, testosterone replacement therapy or that sort of thing. You know, he or was young. Already, right? 
He's, no, well, he's technically too young. He's for 28 that. and he wants children. Okay. So if you want kids, you can't do uh, testosterone therapy before that because it messes up with your own fertility. Because if you put testosterone in your body, your body knows now thinks that it doesn't need to yeah. produce it anymore. TRT is a whole nother topic, which we can talk about in a little bit if you want, but he wasn't a candidate for that. Yeah. So it wasn't. A yeah, 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 yeah. So we work, you know, there are supplements, there are things you can do to increase the the flow, the circulations and things. And, you know, I, I had him like work with that. Um, but it was fascinating because ultimately what it came down to is through the work that we did, he realized that he had a sexual fantasy that he judged so much that he was afraid of that and it, he stifled his energy. I created this space for him to feel comfortable with that. And he, I was the first person he admitted this to once I was out in the open and I went like, Oh, this is a total, like normal fantasy. Like, you know, like just getting him through looking at it, it lost its power over him. And lo and behold, he started meeting a new woman and now he's been having sex with her. It's things are going well, like things like he's never expected. And all of that because the root cause was his own mental and was repressed sexual energy and guilt and shame about his own desire that he had to unearth and then free it. And then all of the other practices, you know, that what I was teaching him, they were able to, to work. Yeah. You know, so we, we interviewed so on yeah. our show, um, Dr. Brandeis, and he's a, a very well-known urologist. And basically he says, there's two things that can go wrong when it comes to erections. You got the pipes and you got the signals. So you got the physical pipes, right? That, that move blood in and out. And then you've got the body's signals that tell it to do that. Okay. Move blood here, remove blood. Right. And so it's really not that complicated a mechanism, right? Like, and, and so for young, right. Well, for, for young, for relatively young men, if you're even remotely healthy, most likely your pipes and your signals are working, most likely, which means why are we seeing this huge epidemic in erection problems if most people you know, under the age of 50 don't have a physical problem? Well, it's because it's the mental piece, right? And so that the, the case that Celine just talked about was the perfect example of that. We see that a lot, a lot, a lot. We'll often have them go through the tests just so they can rule it all out because you never know. Right. Even, even young people do run into these issues from time to time, but I would say they're not the majority. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's funny because I, I've worked with so many clients over the years that came to me for dating coaching, obviously. And as they get better and better, I've noticed a lot of them will self-sabotage and like either not go on dates or, you know, you know, not bring a condom. They'll do things to that. You're, you're just like, you know, scratching your head, like what, what the hell? And then you realize that there is a huge sort of mental barrier for them around sex and they're sabotaging the dating process because of that. And some of them aren't even aware that that's happening. I'm guessing you guys are seeing that quite a bit. Oh yeah, absolutely. So what happens is once they start to date and or get close with somebody, they realize at some point she's going to want sex and then I'm going to be forced to perform. And that's when there's going to be a problem because I can't get it up or I can't last. We hear it all the time from clients. Yeah. And so you'll start to see them subtly 
self-sabotaging and then you know they'll make a million excuses you know it's like it's like the old jerry seinfeld episodes every every date they ever went on there was something wrong with them nope nope can't do that one can't do that one can't do that one right so they start creating a lot of excuses yeah for sure um i'm curious did you ever try for for you celine did you ever try to hack the 20 minutes it takes to get there and like try to make that a shorter time period. Cause sometimes you hear about women who can obviously orgasm very quickly. Um, other women take forever longer, you know, hours and hours. Um, is there anything a woman can do to sort of change that time frame, or it's just kind of par for the course kind of set? Well, number one, we're women and we constantly shifting and changing. We're cyclical. There's things that affect us. Um, and it's not that I can't come uh, in less than 20 minutes. I can easily stroke my clit and in three minutes, I'm done. It's just not the type of orgasm I want to have. This is a genital sneeze that's not really fulfilling. It's like, yeah, sure, I had this, this release, but we're not talking about a deep, uh, full body orgasm. Now, there are times where uh, it will take sh- less time and there are times where it's more time. Now, one thing is if you uh, only have sex sporadically, it will be much harder to get you in the mood, in the zone, because, well, you got to like restart the engine and get the fire moving and all of that. So there is a concept that we teach all the time, the constant state of arousal, where you uh, give each other some attention and kind of put energy into to that um, arousal and desire bank account that the two of you have so that you don't have to start from zero. You can already start maybe from a four or five, which makes it much easier to go to that 10. And then we also talk a lot about letting go of the destination. A lot of women approach sex very uh, much like men, very goal-oriented. Exactly. And as Kevin was describing how when you start to experience non-ejaculatory orgasms, they can feel different, say, in your body and there's orgasmic waves. That feels very feminine in a sense of how we can experience orgasms. Not all orgasms are earth shattering. Not all orgasms are going to be like mind blowing. Sometimes it's an orgasmic wave. Sometimes you just feel relaxed. Sometimes you're happy. Sometimes you're crying. Sometimes you're screaming. Sometimes you're like... Um, a bottomless whore and you can't have enough. I mean, there's all these different personalities. And if you only want one kind of orgasm, and if your partner, if as a man, you only want her to have this one kind because you really like when she screams your name and that's all that you consider a success, you are definitely making it harder to enjoy all of the different flavors of sex. And and you cannot just be focused on this one experience because you'll be disappointed. So it's about letting go, letting go of the destination of the of that destination, enjoying the journey. And it's also about being like, how is my orgasm going to show up today? And by the way, there's no shame in going for a clit orgasm because that's really what you need and you need that relief and that release right then. But this shouldn't be the only thing you do. Right. Yeah. And, you know, from the guy's point of view, there are some things that he can do to help her get there a little bit more quickly. And it's really, he needs to create a safe space and he needs to, uh, by safe space, really, I mean a place where she can totally relax. 
You know, right. Safety is such an interesting concept because it's hard to explain what safety means for every woman. It's a little bit different um, because you're like, well, of course I'm safe. She knows I'm not going to hurt her, but maybe safety for her means to have the door locked. Maybe safety for her means to have a warm space so she can relax. Maybe safety means to know that he's not going to pressure her. Like there's a lot of subtleties and variation. What does safety really mean? And how does she need it in that moment? Uh, is it reassurance? that she needs verbal reassurance is it a touch that she needs like yeah <laughs> yeah so so that's one of them the other one is making sure that she understands that there's no pressure because as soon as you pressure a woman you know i have to have an orgasm or she has to have an orgasm or sex has to last a certain amount of time or we have to do certain positions once that pressure comes in you're pretty much going to make it impossible for her to have an orgasm she needs to be relaxed, comfortable. She needs to feel safe and no pressure. And all of that will open her up. So remember that in sex, really, it's a woman's job to relax, open, and receive. That's what the feminine does. The feminine receives, right? So anything that can help her do that is going to bring her closer to an orgasm and also potentially faster. So as guys, we have to think about that, right? Like, how can we create that environment for her? Like a, a perfect example is Celine talked about diffuse awareness and how there's all these different things running around through her head. So, okay, let's say it's six o'clock and you just finished dinner and you're like, woohoo, all right, sexy time, right? But she's still thinking about four more things that have to happen before the day is over, right? So one thing that a guy can do is Hey, maybe help her with that. Maybe if one of the things is I got to get the laundry out of the dryer and we got to do this, like, because if you just say, screw the laundry, I don't care about the laundry, like whatever, let's just go have sex. She's going to be there having sex, literally thinking about the laundry. Like she just <laughs> is <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so one of the things that you can do is say, don't worry about it. I got the laundry. I'll take care of that. You go get ready. Right. So you can start to create the environment that allows her to relax open up, receive, and then she'll really be able to access those orgasms a whole lot faster and better. Do you have any advice for, let's say a guy is, you know, or a couple is on, not a couple, but two people are on a date, right? They're going to have sex for the first time, or it's leading there possibly. And it's kind of the, the, the guy's job, obviously, to make her feel safe. Any sort of tips that you would recommend to create that environment or anything to for sure avoid that guys can screw up to make a woman feel not safe? Obviously, you don't want to pressure her, of course, um, but so there are different things for like if if you're in her space or his space. Or, I'm curious if you guys have any you know, advice on that. Well, number one, you've got to have the whole talk about uh, sexual transmitted disease or infections, STIs, right? Uh, Your pre-sex elevator your speech. Exactly. You know, <laughs> anybody who's been in like the, the poly community or swingers, like it's, it's things that are really common that you learn when you have multiple partners. And, you know, people, even though they're like, hey, I'm not in open relationship, but they're like serial monogamous. It's like they go through one after another it's kind of the same you know it's like you have to understand it's actually worse sometimes like you know <laughs> you'll see people that are in poly relationships they have two or three of the same lovers all the time and then you'll see somebody who's quote unquote monogamous but they're dating and they're on tinder and they're having sex with a different woman every week oh yeah or every day or, or, like, yeah, <laughs> or you know. several times a week exactly yeah. 
but the bottom line is, you know, like, so create that in terms of have a discussion ahead. Like when were you tested last? What, what kind of, uh, uh, what do you use with partners? You know, like condoms, no condoms, like are you fluid bonded with anybody? Are you seeing other people? Like this can help. What to... kind of sex do you like? What do... kind of sex do you like? Exactly. Right. Find out what they like. What, what, the, what things do you like? What things do you absolutely not like? This is another thing that really comes from poly community because they'll say, okay, here are my turn-ons. Here are the things I really love. And here are the things that I'm absolutely a hell no to, right? There's also really... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, that's what I love about, you know, the poly community and a lot of these very sex positive open communities is you can have a very frank conversation before sex, um, you know, and, and ask these questions and get the answers. A lot of the time with, I'd say more, I don't know, vanilla people, um, there's just so much awkwardness around sex, especially the first time. It's kind of like, you know, they're not even sure if it's going to happen. The guy's kind of grabbing for a condom. And then all of a sudden they're just kind of having sex. Um, so you kind of have to navigate that part too, of course, but sorry, I interrupted. But it's relax. It's just sex. Mm-hmm. And like, honestly, plan for it. I mean, plan like you're going to have sex. Don't assume you are, but be ready and prepared. So have your condoms and know when you were tested, talk about these things. But literally that's what makes a difference. Like people actually find it like it's a breath of fresh air. That client that I was mentioning, literally he had that conversation with the woman and I always tell my clients, like for most guys, you don't expect that you have a cock of steel. That's always hard. You know, it's, it's normal that it will vary. Mileage will vary. If you're tired, if you're stressed, if you're nervous and when you meet a new person, you are going to be nervous. And for most men, it takes anywhere from two to five times with the same women before they start to really feel comfortable. And it's, I believe that you can remove a lot of that performance anxiety by prepping a little bit better. And every client that I work with, I teach them that. And it works when they're willing to get over the awkwardness of having that conversation, meaning, hey, um, what does it mean for you to have sex if we have sex? What are your expectations? And like say, hey, by the way, um, sometimes it takes me a little while to get used. You know, I'm a bit nervous. You're so beautiful. I want to pleasure you. And sometimes, you know, it's, it, I get anxious and I never know how my body's going to function, but I want to make sure that if we have sex, you're willing to give me at least three times to try, you know, if you know, your number is three times, that's usually how much it takes you. Or maybe it's five times, maybe it's twice, whatever you feel like would take the pressure off. If you have that discussion, the women also is going to be much more compassionate and understanding. And she'd be like, Oh yeah. Like sometimes we don't realize how much pressure there is on a man to perform because we both have pressure on the first night and first time and even the beginning of the relationship. But for a man, it's definitely different in terms that that pressure can get in the way of you being able to have an erection. You know, if, if we feel nervous we, and let's say we're not lubricating the, the way we want, we just use some loop. But for the guy, it's not like, well, uh, here's like, there's no erection in that moment. So if you do a little prep work and if you have that and know your body, I mean, be like, hey, um, I've noticed that, uh, be like, let's say you lose your erection or something and be like, Hey, you know what I would love? Like, do you know what feels good? Like, why don't you squeeze the base of my penis a little bit or give me a second? Why don't we kiss? Like, 
like ask for things, you know, like just because you're men doesn't mean that you like have no needs and it's not being needy to be like, oh yeah, you know what I would need right now? Let's try that. You know, um, it's just like, it's being an advocate for who you are. So you need to know yourself. You need to know yourself before you go in. You need to know what you need. You need to know what to ask for, and you need to be willing to, to just do it, even if it's hard. Yeah, it's communicating is obviously key. And mm-hmm. I find that a lot of guys struggle to to do that. You know, they'll just kind of sort of guess. I, I work with a lot of guys who kind of have the inauthentic nice guy syndrome. And they not only do they not communicate, they they do even worse by assuming that she might need these things and then going out of their way to do things that she's assuming that they need, which maybe she doesn't even care about. Um, she just so that- wants you to fuck her. Stop asking. <laughs> and at yeah. the same time, ask a little bit before. Like, I know we were men. We- it's very confusing. <laughs> Sometimes I think relationships are a bit like sitcoms, right? Because a sitcom can exist if people actually communicate. Like every sitcom ever made is based upon the fact that people aren't communicating and therefore all kinds of crazy crap happens throughout the episode, <laughs> right? Like how many times have you watched a sitcom and said, if he had just told her the truth, there'd be no episode. There'd, there'd, right. be nothing, there'd be nothing in the show. And it's very similar with relationships. If people could actually communicate what they need and what they want in an effective way, most of the crap that comes along with relationships would just go out the window. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, why do you have to have penetration on the first time? Maybe you could just take it off the table. I'd be like, yeah. hey, let's just play with each other's bodies. I want to see if I can make you come with my mouth or or like with just blowing all over your body. Like it doesn't matter, but like you could be actually very creative, super masculine, super hot in taking the lead and saying, we're not going to do this, but we're going to do that. And I'm going to have my way with you. I can imagine that would really turn a lot of women on, especially if you take, you know, penetration off the table, right? That reverse psychology is going to make both people want it more. And, you know, maybe it leads to that, but maybe, you you know, you stick to the rules and, and it's better the next time, right? The anticipation builds. That's, that's a cool idea. I like that a lot. Um, What about, you know, I don't know. I've, I've, I'm curious to ask you guys. So if a couple is, really good at sex, like you guys, what is like a normal or optimal amount to have sex? Like how often? And then how would that compare <laughs> to couples that maybe aren't so good and any advice for them? Well, the first thing I would say is don't compare yourself to other people, right? So what, whatever I tell you about what our sex life is like, don't compare yourself to that and then think somehow your sex life is terrible. It really has to do with what you and your partner want and what works for the two of you. So having said that, uh, you know, for us, you know, I, we would consider a good week about three times a week and two to three times a week. You know, for me, I consider really like 30 minutes to be like a bare minimum, like 30 minutes is a quickie for me. You know, I'm just like, you know, I mean, any sex, any connecting with, you know, Celine, I'm down for. So, you know, even if it's five or 10 minutes, however, my preference is like, if we're going to connect, like we need at least a solid 30 minutes closer to an like an hour would be my normal, regular. Every time we have sex, it would be roughly about an hour. And we're talking penetration, not like, you know, 20 minutes of oral sex or whatever, like penetration sex. 
Um, and then on, on an occasion, if it's a weekend or something like that, maybe it could be, you know, a two hour session or something like that. But, but for us, that seems to work for us. Now, other couples, they might only need once a week. In fact, um, I think it was Michelle. It was Michelle. Yeah. So we, we interviewed, um, a PhD psychologist. She's a research psychologist focusing on sex stuff. Her name is Michelle, uh, Druin. And in her book, she cited some studies where they pretty much basically what they did was they looked at how much sex couples had, and then they asked them about their sexual satisfaction. And what they realized was there's a certain point at which more sex does not equal more sexual satisfaction in the relationship. Right. And I think it was about, was it once a week? I think, yeah, it was, it was actually quite low about once a week seemed to be the sweet spot. So couples that had sex once a week, um, tended to report the highest uh, overall sexual satisfaction in the relationship. And the couples that were maybe two or three times a week were still satisfied, but they didn't seem to report being any more satisfied, right? So that, that's the point is you, you got to figure out what works for you in your couple. So for us, we're higher than the average, but that's what works for us. Um, we were talking to somebody, I think it was a client of yours, maybe, or maybe it was mine. I can't remember which one, but they were like, they wanted four or five times a week. And that's, that's what worked for them. So I also want to bring a very important um, point into this discussion is we have the type of sex that doesn't end in an ejaculation every time. Sometimes it does, sometimes, sometimes it does, it does sometimes but it's it never doesn't. a goal. It's never a goal. <laughs> and that means that we end sex basically when I feel done. And I know people are like, again, like, but the truth is the woman tends to be the one who makes most of the decision. Even if the guy you're thinking, I'm the one in charge, what you think, no, the no. reality <laughs> is we women are the one who choose when we open our legs, how long you're going to be in there and when and if it happens. Right. And we all know that. And some women use it and abuse it. Right. And you should never do that. But the bottom line is in the type of sex that we have, it doesn't end with the ejaculation, meaning like if we like, OK, it's been a while or I'm, I'm feeling complete or even maybe Kevin. But usually I kind of get to the point before he does. Um, we'll pull out and he'll be throbbing hard and we don't. And there's no like you've got to finish. Uh, this wasn't good enough or anything like that, you know. That's really hard for a lot of men to comprehend. They're like, "What do you mean? Wait, what? No, like, how could you only Where's have the like money shot? But- <laughs> right, it, it, exactly. But but one of the beauties of it is so if you are separating your orgasm for your from your ejaculation, as we were talking about earlier, you can actually, as a man, feel complete without ejaculating. If I've had enough of those cycles and I've had multiple orgasms throughout. I feel just as complete as if I had an actual ejaculation. So a lot of times that's true. A lot of times I'm like, yeah, I feel totally complete. Like I've had multiple orgasms throughout this and you've had multiple waves of energy and it's just like, we're dizzy. We're like, okay, we need a break. Right. (laughs) But, and sometimes not, sometimes I'm still totally ready to go. And I'm like, I could go for another hour, you know? And she's like, I'm done because I respect her. I'm like, okay, if you're complete, then we're complete. But it keeps me in this constant state of arousal so that I want more. So that maybe the following day or maybe two days later, I'm still like chasing her around the kitchen. Like, come on, let's go. Right. (laughs) You you also said something very important that I want to make sure that all listeners are really grasping there. You are basically giving me exactly the type of sex that I want. And what that does is that I want more of it. 
because I'm getting exactly what I want. Now, if you were to force your will on me and make me do all the stuff you want all the time, I probably would not want to have sex with you very often. I would be negotiating it more. But because I know I can get what I want, and it's not like he's not getting his need met either. It's not like, oh, I want to be clear on that. But this is a very, very important distinction. If you are in a relationship where she constantly says no, it's probably because you're not giving her the kind of sex she wants. Yeah, that's unfortunately kind of the standard narrative in most you know, most relationships that you hear, you know, the guy's begging for sex and, you know, she's got a headache, um, you know, maybe she'll give it to him on his birthday, that sort of thing. And, and obviously if, if she was enjoying that more and not feeling the pressure to have it, that probably wouldn't be the case. Exactly. Um, she, she'll, she would initiate it. Yeah. If she he was say. going more than 20 minutes and she was actually orgasming and like really getting into it, really relaxing. Yeah. She'd want more of it. The problem is, is she's barely even getting started and you're done. You're out. You're like, okay, that's great. Had my ejaculation. She's like, that was pointless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A lot of clients ask me like, how do I keep women in my life? And I say, get better at sex. Cause you know, if you can give a woman multiple orgasms, she's probably not gonna, you know, (laughs) leave that often compared to if you're not, of course, or just an orgasm at all. So I I won't say that that's all you need, because you need to be a good, strong (laughs) man. However, if you make a woman come like she has never come before, she will stick around through all kinds of your fucking nonsense that she shouldn't even <laughs> stick around for, right? <laughs> now, imagine if you combine that with actually being a good, strong, you know, uh, partner, man, masculine, who's like giving her all the other things that she needs. You combine those two, she's not going to leave you. Yeah. So um, for guys who are interested in working with you, how what does that process look like? And how can people, you know, get in touch with you guys and, and learn more? Sure. So we offer um, online courses. So the place to go to is celineremy.com and you'll see everything that we do. So both Kevin and I offer coaching. We also work together with couples, um, but you can work with either one of us privately in one-on-one coaching. We work with cup- with men. Uh, it's over a three months period and it's just like a deep, intense, deep dive that is guaranteed to transform your life. If you want to, if you're more of a like, hey, I'm going to do my own thing at my own pace, um, sign up for our courses Power and, and at powerandmastery.com um, and we've got, we teach you everything there as well. And then of course, tune in to the Love Lab podcast on any of the platforms where you can get the uh, podcast because we give you a ton of free information and advice to get you started and keep you motivated. So there's plenty. Yeah. And if you want to work with us, basically the way it works is you go to our website, you schedule a strategy call with one of us or both of us, depending on who you want to work with. We get on a call with you and we talk about what your needs are, how we might be able to help you. It's no obligation. You put down a deposit just to book the space. And if you decide not to work with us, we completely refund it. So it costs you nothing. You get to sit down one-on-one with us and figure out, is this something that would work for you? And if so, then we can move on to the actual coaching. And if not, awesome. There's other options out there. You can talk to other people. Cool. 
And I'm guessing you guys work with people remotely as well, right? Yes, we do. We mostly do remotely. Um, I sometimes see people uh, in person through the sexological body work. Um, but yeah, we work. We have clients from all over the world. Mm-hmm. So anything else that you feel like we didn't talk about that you know might be important for the guys listening or, or anything you know, pops in your head like that? You know, my advice for guys out there is if, if your sex life, your dating life, or your relationship life aren't where you want them to be, you need to take action. That's, that's the biggest thing is I see just too many men settling for, you know, mediocre, me, yeah, mediocre, just not, not stepping up and taking charge of their lives and changing things where they need to change. If you're looking in the mirror right now, or you're listening to this show and you're thinking, wow, I wish I could be that, then get up and do something about it. And then the other thing too, is that most people think they're so weird, so unique and that, oh my gosh, it's only them who have this kind of problem or fantasies. And actually, you know, I can't say I've seen it all, but I've seen a lot uh, from, you know, having worked with over thousands and thousands of people by now. And it's like, we're really pretty simple. Um, And so just like I said earlier, relax, it's just sex, get to know yourself, get to know your body. And then all of the anxiety disappears. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you guys, you guys are so like easy to talk to and very open. So I'm sure that, you know, clients who work with you get get that feeling and they probably feel way more at ease with the whole process. And there's, like you said, there's just so many people out there, especially now with, you know, I think people are using porn way too much, um, afraid to talk about it. And I'm sure it's just uh, th- things are going in the wrong direction, unfortunately, versus in the right direction. But but luckily, there's uh, you know people like us to, <laughs> to help people <laughs> down that path. We're doing everything we can. <laughs> Recalibrate. And, you know, a word on porn, since we haven't touched it, you know, it's not so much the what, it's the how. It's not that porn is so terrible. It's how do you use it? Are you using it? Basically, if you're using porn and you're watching porn, but you're fucking in love with your life and you're having all the dating that you want and or you're in the relationship that you want, there's no problem. And you have energy in the morning. If you're using porn and then you feel depressed, you can't get a girl or you're not performing. Exactly. You're not performing in in the bedroom. It's probably getting in your own way. Now, it's not really that porn is bad. It's it's how you use it. And it has to do with your own personality, with your own addiction, which to the root is a lack of connection. So we're back to if you don't understand yourself, if you don't connect with yourself to a certain way, then you will seek these outside things to help you feel whole. And so if that's you and you feel like, hey, I'm watching porn, but my life sucks, then get some help. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. It's, it's definitely how you use it versus the if that's uh, well said. So guys, you know, go over, listen to the love, love podcast. It's amazing. Uh, my interview will drop soon. Um, so thanks so much for being here. It's uh, it's been so great to pick your guys brain about this stuff. Well, it flew by really quickly. So thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. It was. You know, when we had you on our show, it was a lot of fun. And today was a lot of fun too. So thanks for having us on your show. Of course. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want more, go to innerconfidence.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for the latest episodes.